My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Mmm, ooh, guys, you have great questions. Again, who in the hell writes these questions? I know you do, but my God, these are great. Um, wow. Uh, I thought this was going to be an easy question. Usually you get the last question. It's like, just take it home. Um, that is a really good question. So... Well, if I talked to my younger self, I would have said get started an email sooner. And I would say that today. And we live in a world of social media, Web3, and AI. And if you ask me what the most important thing I do is, it's my email newsletter. Because I don't have any control over those social networks. And by the way, I'm a big believer. Like, I'm all in on LinkedIn right now. I, I post on a regular. That's my core social channel. But at the end of the day, I can't control that algorithm. I don't have any control over that data. What do I have control over is that email database. So that's really, really important. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Tiny Giants, the creator economy show that's about career over celebrity. I am your host, T. Adeola, your favorite former 400-pounder getting you fit on all things creator economy. And this week, I had the delight of catching up with the godfather of content marketing himself, Joe Polizzi. Joe Polizzi is the founder of multiple startups, including content creator education site, The Tilt, the creator entrepreneur event, Creator Economy Expo, CEX, and is the best-selling author of seven books, including Content Inc. and Epic Content Marketing, which was named a must-read business book by Fortune Magazine. Joe is best known for his work in content marketing, first using the term in 2001 then launching Content Marketing Institute and the Content Marketing World event. In 2014, he received the Lifetime Achievement Award by the Content Council. He successfully exited CMI in 2016 and consequently wrote an award-winning mystery novel, The Will to Die. He has two weekly podcasts, the Motivational Content Inc. podcast, and the Content News and Analysis show, This Old Marketing with Robert Rose. So without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with tiny giant Joe Polizzi. Joe, thanks so much for joining me. T, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Always a good time when we're able to catch up. I like it. I like it. So the whole premise of this show is that you go small to get big, right? Don't try to bore the ocean. Don't try to be all things to all people. Pick a lane, pick a niche or niche if you're fancy, and then focus on that one thing. And then after you focus on that one thing and 
then you blow up and then you get known for other things, which you have undoubtedly done in the content marketing space. But no one starts at the top. So take us back. Tell us that origin story. Take us through how you picked your niche or maybe how your niche picked you. Well, first of all, you're speaking my language because when I've dealt with so many different size companies over the years from individual solo creators, what we call content entrepreneurs, to large content marketing organizations who want to do all the things. They feel they have to be everywhere. And what we realize is that when you do dabble, as we say, or you do a little bit all over the place in every channel, if you look at some CMI stats, basically the average organization creates content and distributes that content 13 to 16 different ways. What that means is that they're failing a lot and they're wasting a lot of time and energy, but we'll get to that in a second. I mean, I started, I I grew up in the content marketing space. I started in 2000 and wanted to launch my own business and left in 2007 to focus on this area of content marketing. And I launched product first. So I launched the business saying I had this idea for eHarmony for content marketing, which was, it's called Jump to 42. I thought it was the greatest web two name ever. And I said, I'm going to come out and I'm going to match brands who need content marketing services with journalists and writers and content creators. And there wasn't anything at, there's a lot of that now. There wasn't anything going on in 2007. I thought this would be great. Created something 2008, working on it. And then the finances just didn't work. And by 2009, I was ready to give up the whole thing. Now, luckily, while I was doing all that, I had a blog and I blogged three to four times a week, consistently starting in April of 2007, all the way up to that point. So in this is September 2009. I'm feeling sorry for myself because we can't drive finances. And I didn't even happen to look at the fact that, wow, I've delivered quite a large audience over here. I had about 10,000 email subscribers. So luckily I was focused on a blog and email combo and did that from 2007. And then ongoing after this point, I'm talking about into 2010 and said, I've got something because I focused on being good at one thing, basically text and image. And then I could control, I could have some control over that audience, over that database, if you will, because I was collecting email names. So went in and said, I'm going to move away from this eHarmony matching thing that I was trying to do. And I went in and said, let's just take a look at what my audience really wants. And so in that September time period, when I really felt like I was a true failure, I started looking at my blog comments and feedback I was receiving from my email subscribers. And they were asking me questions like, Joe, do you offer training? Um, Joe, do you do workshops? Joe, is there an in-person event for content marketing? All the things I was not offering. So basically, I fell in love with this idea, this product that didn't work at all. And I was ignoring my audience that was giving me, this is the great thing when you build an audience. They give you all this feedback and you can use that for good if you wish to. And I took that and I said, this is the way, taking something from the Mandalorian. I said, this is the way. And by May of 2010, did everything basically switched everything over to con- what was what is now called Content Marketing Institute. And I said, we are going to be an educational source for content marketing. And we're going to focus this whole thing on an event, which they were asking for. So we did consulting training and events. And then that's history. Basically, once we once I made that pivot T, we became very, very successful. 2011 was our first content marketing world event. We were expecting 100 people to come to Cleveland that year. We ended up getting over 600. 
three years later, it was 4,000 attendees coming to Cleveland, the largest content marketing event. And then we, as you know, we sold Content Marketing Institute in 2016, had a great exit. But the learning from that, kind of what you're trying to teach in this show, I focused on being good at one thing, the niche, the niche, if you will, of content marketing. As I said, what could I be the leading informational expert in the world at? And I really felt if we delivered on a regular basis on our blog and email newsletter, that we could be the leading expert in content marketing, which in 2007, 8, 9, nobody was talking about. So we focused on that, focused on the blog and email, and sort of put the other things to the side and said, we can't be great in all these other things, even though all the social media things were happening at the time. And it ended up working out for us. I love it. And you have it right from the mouth of a giant himself. Focus, folks, focus. That is the core tenet of this show. So Joe, one of the benefits of being a giant, is that you have that bird's eye view, right? You can see for miles on in because you're, you know, you've earned your spot, you've earned your position up high, 10, 20, 30 stories up. And you have that perspective that a lot of people on the ground level don't necessarily have. So given that giant perspective, are there any giant non-obvious traps that you will call out for anyone coming into the content marketing space, or maybe if you could go back and talk to your younger self. Well, if I talked to my younger self, I would have said, get started an email sooner. And I would say that today, and we live in a world of social media, Web3 and AI. And if you ask me what the most important thing I do is, it's my email newsletter, because I don't have any control over those social networks. And by the way, I'm a big believer, like I'm all in on LinkedIn right now. I, I post on a regular, that's my core social channel. But at the end of the day, I can't control that algorithm. I don't have any control over that data. What do I have control over is that email database. So that's really, really important. But if I'm going back and I'm going to give some advice, kind of where I talked about my origin story, it's it's to, to figure out what I call today as a content tilt. What is that area of differentiation that you can break through all the clutter out there? There's more clutter than ever before, right? There's everyone. You've got AI clutter. You've got clutter from every influencer out there. You got clutter from my mom posting on Facebook. Everybody's a content creator. How are you going to break through? And I think we need to look at the business just a little bit and say, look, I can cover a lot of different things, but how do I niche this down to a point where I actually can be the leading expert in something in the world? And, and it's a very arrogant question to ask because you're like, oh, you probably, people are out there listening and saying, I can't be the expert in anything. But if you niche down enough, you probably can. So today, if I was going into content marketing, it'd be too broad. There's too much competition. There's no way I could break through with content marketing. So I have to think, okay, well, is it financial content marketing? Is it content marketing for minority organizations? Is it content marketing for financial institutions that focus on community banking? So I'm getting really, really niche as I start to think about that. Is this content marketing for pet supplies companies? So those types of things we have to think about because it's so broad. So go to whatever your expertise is and you have to go down to a point where you're thinking, I need to niche down on the topic and niche on the audience and really think about how do I get that those you know 100 or 1,000 true fans. That's very hard to do, but it's something that we have to do. And if you do it right, you will build that out and you will build a larger audience. And what a lot of people do is you get seducted because you want the biggest audience possible. So you go very, very broad. That is an almost impossible scenario for a content creator to get into. You might get lucky. You might hit a TikTok viral post. You might go crazy on YouTube, but the odds are less than 1% of 1% that you're going to be able to make a business out of this. So you have to figure out what that content tilt is. Find that one platform. Is that your blog? Is it a newsletter? Is it LinkedIn? Is it YouTube? Is it a podcast? 
So focus that on your home base, and then you have to deliver consistently over a long period of time. If you look at the research that we've done at the Tilt, it takes generally about 24 months to make it to a point where you can actually support yourself from a business standpoint. And I would love that to be a shorter number. I would love to say, hey, three to six months or nine months, you'll be okay. But it's not true. I mean, it took me almost three years from 2007 to 2010 to get to a point where I didn't think I'd have to go find another job. So I would just say that you've got to figure out that content tilt. You got to find that platform and then you got to be patient. So do the things in your life that you need to do, right? Cut down your expenses. My wife and I called those years the bologna and ramen noodle years because we didn't have we didn't have the money to do the things we needed to do because we knew that it was going to take time and investment. So keep that side hustle if you have to. So you can get some money coming in. So long term, you know that you can build your own content entrepreneur business, but it does take time and focus. You too are speaking my language. You don't build your house on rented land. Yes, social media is very seductive, but you have zero control of what somebody else does on their platform. And even when I worked my short stints in corporate America, I was hired for social media primarily at Echo Brands, mm-hmm. which owns most of the brands in the office and school supply space. Sure. Five star Trapper Keeper Mead. But in terms of bottom line revenue, email brought in way more money than social media did because at a high, high level, social media was largely an acquisition channel and email was the retention channel. And anyone who knows anything about business, retention always makes more money than acquisition. That's right. Always. 100% of the time because the hard work's already been done. They know who you are and there is simply going to buy or they're not. But all of that acquisition work has already been done. So yeah, absolutely agree with that. So another benefit of being a giant is that you get to throw your weight around. You get to knock down trees, move mountains, and sort of change the landscape how you see fit because you have that size and you have that status. And you've unquestionably already done that with Content Marketing Institute, which you know, you've know you exited from. But talk a little bit more about the change in the landscape that you're doing over at The Tilt and how you're trying to change the landscape currently. First of all, I still love and have a passion for content marketing. So for those people that aren't familiar with content marketing, it's basically using content creation to create some kind of a behavior change or modification on the brand side. So you're basically, you're, you have some sort of, you have a, a certain amount of employees. You have 10, you have a hundred. We used to work with billion dollar plus businesses to do this kind of things. You know, if you look like at Red Bull Media House or what P&G is doing, those are the type of complex content issues that I used to work on. So I left that in 2017 and took some time off and, and wrote a thriller suspense novel called The Will to Die, which I'm working on my second one. So I love to do those kinds of things. But what I realized in this probably 2019, back to your problem, or your issue you bring up about social media, there were so many creators that were being seduced by Twitch and TikTok and YouTube, and they were building their businesses on that rented land. And after they would get a year or two years, they'd have nothing to show for. Sure, they'd have some subscribers and some followers and things, but they don't. They didn't have a real business. And I got into 2020 and I said, there's got to be a better way. I want these people to know that there is a business model that you can follow and get what we're talking about right here, where you focus on one being good at one thing the content tilt, go forward and figure out how you can build a business for yourself through simplicity of content creation 
and diversity of revenue. So this is the real key that a lot of people don't get is we've talked about this very simple process where you find that niche and you find that platform and then you don't do that with revenue. So from a revenue standpoint, there are six, seven, 10 different ways to drive revenue if you're a content creator. If you're a content marketer, you'll drive revenue through product sales, through services like consulting or coaching. You want to drive sales through your loyalty and retention, or you create better yield. You create better customers. That's content marketing. But if you're a content creator, you do all the things that media companies can do. You sell sponsorship and advertising. You might launch your own in-person event like we have at The Tilt. Uh, you might launch subscription services. You might take donations. You might do affiliate marketing. Uh, you might launch premium products like audiobooks or books or eBooks or paid eBooks. So those are the things we like to think of. And what happens is, is that even if a content creator focuses on the simplicity of creation, they think the same thing is true of revenue and it's not. We want to think about what what millionaires do. So what does what is a mil, how is a millionaire different than somebody that's not a millionaire? A millionaire makes money a lot of different ways. They have different stocks, they have bonds, they have real estate, they have gold, they have bitcoin, they have whatever, right? They have lots of different things. If you're not a millionaire, you generally have your job and that's it. So it, you have to think that way from a content entrepreneur standpoint and start to try different things from a revenue standpoint and then you will hit on one that works. So if I go back to the Content Marketing Institute example, we started a lot of things. We're like, okay, we're going to do uh, email sponsorship, and then we're going to try some sponsorship on the website, uh, and then we're going to do some sponsors on the podcast and tried all kinds of little things. And they all worked a little bit, and they all brought in revenue, but we really hit on the fact that our in-person event was the one that drove the majority of our revenue, and it ended up being about 75% of our revenue and profit. We wouldn't have known that if we didn't say, hey, let's try that. Let's do those things. So again, when you're when you focus on simplicity from a audience building standpoint, it gives you the opportunity to be a little bit more complex about the revenue you're driving. Joe Polizzi is bringing it as he always does. So we're going to take a short break to pay a few bills. Then when we get back, we're going to continue our conversation with tiny giant Joe Polizzi. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. And we're back. So, Joe, I want to get a parental perspective from you because sort of the two foundational stats that this show was founded on, the first being that Lego and Harris Poll conducted a study and found that three times as many children ages 8 to 12 wanted to be YouTubers than astronauts. Then Adobe did a global survey. This is worldwide, six countries around the world, and found that almost a full 50%, 49% of Gen Z 
want to be content creators as a career. And as a parent, those stats sort of give me pause a little bit just because of a little something called the law of large numbers, right? So the more people rush into the space, to your earlier point, the noisier it gets, the harder it is to rise to the top, the more people are going to fall by the wayside, which is one of the points of this show, Tiny Giants, which is niching or niching if you're fancy, because niching down is the answer to oversaturation. So how would you counsel parents like myself? Because I have three young ones. I have a 13-year-old, a nine-year-old, and a six-year-old. All three of them want to be YouTubers, <laughs> right? Specifically, my 13-year-old wants to be a gamer. How would you counsel a parent like me? Because that's really who this show is for. When you talk about the tilt, you have a lot of parents who just do not understand the creator economy or what that means for their child. Sure. Right. Because at, at the risk of sounding like the nostalgic old coot that I'm developing into back in my day, you know, there was sort of an alignment between parent, child and school as it pertained to career trajectory. In so far as if you walked into a third grade classroom and you asked a bunch of seven and eight year olds what they wanted to be when they grow up, you'd hear doctor, lawyer, engineer, that sort of thing. And the schools were set up to produce those professions. And this is very important. The parents understood the value not only to their families, but also to society that their child go on to be a medical doctor, an attorney, an architect, etc. That is no longer the case. Like not only are most schools woefully ill-prepared to produce professional content creators, most parents don't understand the creator economy well enough to understand why or if they should support their child's ambition to be the next Mr. Beast or play games on Twitch all day. So that's sort of the, the space I'm trying to fill with this podcast, because full disclosure, I was caught flat footed, too. Like well, when my son came to me and said, hey, I want to be a professional gamer. The image that popped into my head was that you're never moving out of your mom's basement and you're just going to be like 400 pounds sitting there playing Call of Duty all day. And I had to take a step back and educate myself and bring myself up to speed. So that's the that's kind of a long lead up. But that's the point of this show and why I bring on tiny giants like you, because I want to advance people's, especially parents, digital maturity as it pertains to the creator economy mm -hmm. and what that means going forward. Sure. All that being said, how would you counsel someone like me? How would you counsel the parent of a young person who their child wants to go into content creation as a career? Sure. So I'm not an expert, but I am a father. So I have two kids, mine are much older, 19 and 21. So I've sort of been through this and we've had to, to do some things to make sure that they weren't on the computer all the time. First, first of all, I think you're going to continue to see that type of movement of more people wanting to be content creators because frankly, look at, look at Jimmy Donaldson, Mr. Beast. It could be that in the next three to five years, Mr. Beast has the number one brand in the world of any brand. It's, it's realistic to see that. Uh, with Mr. Beast Burger and the seven or eight other businesses that he's launching. He's already a billion dollar brand. It could be, I mean, people don't realize how big this could get really, really fast. Now, let's look at Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast started creating videos at 13. Thousands and thousands of videos that Mr. Beast, that Jimmy was creating and didn't do much for the first three or four years. It took a lot of work and Jimmy focused on... 
the the odds of of Jimmy breaking through like he did were slim and none and ended up doing it because he worked so so hard and he was early to the game. So now we're getting to a point where you've got a lot of people doing this and it's possible like if my kids want to be a creator that's totally fine. I would then say okay that's let's look at the business of it. Let's make sure that you're not giving all of your power up to whatever network is it YouTube is it Twitch is it TikTok? Let's talk about the business aspects of it. So then you'll really learn something. You'll learn the business model of a media company. So let's focus on those things. Hey, you need if you're going to do this, you need your own website. If you're going to do this, you need your email newsletter. They'll be like, what? It's like, oh, yeah, you have to because you can get blocked at any point by YouTube. You can get thrown off the platform. YouTube could sell. They could change all the rules. They could do all those things. Now, when we had small kids, when our kids were smaller, we had something called Electronics Free Saturday. Now, that was probably one of the best things we ever did because they screamed and wanted to be on the internet and wanted to be on their devices on Saturday, but all of us got off our devices. We went and did something. We went out to the museum. We went, played Lego bricks. We did all kinds of things. That was really helpful for our family, for not only me as a father, but for the kids. So you could take your mind off of that a little bit. The other thing is if you can impress upon them reading anything, like getting away from the screen. That's probably the bigger issue because if you get into, and you probably already know this, T, when you get into gaming, a lot of these games have addiction components associated with them. There's gambling. Uh, if you're if you're into Fortnite, if you're into really any of the games that are going on from a, from a true gamer standpoint, there is an ability to get hooked and spend a lot of money that troubles me as a parent as a, and as a human. So I'm concerned about a lot of these things. That said, let's say your 13-year-old still wants to become a gamer. Great. I would totally support that with the idea of learn the business model of being a gamer, a media company. How does that work? Uh, and there's many books out there. I wrote one called Content Inc. That's, it sets up basically, here's the business model for making this happen so that they understand how long it takes, how much work it takes, so that it, they don't end up to be 27, living in, the, living in your basement, doing whatever. What I love about the model is that it is probably the easiest way to entrepreneurship, to actually building a business. You only need a smartphone today to be a content entrepreneur. You can do everything via your phone, all your invoicing, all your customer interaction, all your, your revenue and your profit and your expenses. They can all flow through digitally. So from that standpoint, that hasn't ha- that that wasn't available to us 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So I love the idea that there's that kind of opportunity for anybody who can get an internet connection. So I love the democratization of that. So I think you get you have a weeding out. So all you can do is that you know, if they have a passion in some cer- certain area, but here's the thing, even if you're a gamer or if you're a content creator, there's always an expertise. Like the technology itself is one thing. But you have to talk about something. So you have to have other experiences so you can talk about it. My, my youngest watches Hassan Piker. He's one of the number one Twitch streamers, very political, left-leaning uh, Twitch streamer. But Hassan does a lot of different things so that he can come back to the audience and talk about politics or talk about what's going on in the world. So from that standpoint, you have to have an expertise in something. So you would employ, that's where you get into what books are you reading? Where are you going? What experiences are you having so that you can communicate with an audience online and build that audience over time and then monetize that audience. So I've kind of rambled about a number of things, but I do have concerns over it long term. But if you look at the creator economy and you look at the opportunities, 
There's so much opportunities for anybody and you don't have to have a lot of money. You just have to have an expertise and a lot of patience. And I think that's where a lot of people are forgetting. I mean, even when my son started, my son, I think he was about the same age as yours, 13, and he wanted to become a gamer and got into NBA 2K and then realized when he was doing his YouTube videos, how long it, and what you have to do to build an audience on YouTube. It's very, very challenging. It takes a lot of work and a lot of time. So for those people that are putting Mr. Beast up in the lights, remember, it's been over 10 years that man has been at it. And so he and so good. He's had the patience to get through the first five years of really nothing happening. And the last five years is when everything's happened. And that's like any media company, any content entrepreneur. That's where you'll see the weeding out. So everybody wants to do this right now, right? But you get to, oh, three months, nine months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, nothing happened. Like that's all the work. A lot of people die off and that's in content marketing too. It's like when somebody asks me, why do content marketing programs fail when they do? It's not because they do the content wrong or they don't have the right content tilt or they're not doing video, whatever. It's because they stop. That's the number one reason is because they give up. So if you can keep pushing forward, that's when it starts to weed out and that's your opportunity. Yes, yes, yes. And I love hearing that because, and I, and I made that mistake myself because for those who know me, this is not my first foray into podcasting. Um, and you're actually, fun fact, you are the second person from my first podcast I've had on my new podcast. All right. First one was Jason, Jason Falls. You're number two, but I was podcasting back in 2017. For all of 2017, I released an episode a week and sometimes more than an episode a week, had 67 episodes and I faded because after a year, it wasn't doing what I needed it to do. And I really cringe to think, had I just kept going? Because if I started in 2017 and I kept going, I'd be what going on six years in now. And it boggles my mind to think what I, and I'd be well over 500 episodes. You know, I'd be six years, 500 episodes in. But to your point, you know, in life happened, there's more to the story, but I just wasn't able to to stick it through that first time around. Mm -hmm. Again, that's why we have learning experiences and that's why we have life. So yeah, this is not a, this is a long haul if you want to do that. But if you persist, there are benefits and you will be rewarded. So this has been tremendous, Joe, as it always is. Nothing left to do but roll out the red carpet. Please give everyone your social media handles. Tell us about any giant projects you got coming out. Tell us about all your sure. books. Take Runway is yours. The floor is yours. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, so I'm at Joe Polizzi, J-O-E-P-U-L-I-Z-Z-I on every social platform. JoePolizzi.com is where you can get my newsletter that I send out every other week. And my new book's coming out, Epic Content Marketing. That's the second edition. So that's coming out in March of 2023. And our big project right now with the tilt uh, is Creator Economy Expo. So Creator Economy Expo CEX is a event just for content creators who are trying to create a full-time content business. It'll be in Cleveland, May 1st to 3rd. And uh, you can go to cex.events and check that out. But uh, we've got 40 of the best content creators on the planet that are going to speak. I'm super excited about it. And so anybody that wants to go and wants a discount, use J-O-E-V-I-P. J-O-E-V-I-P. When you register, you get $100 off whatever the price is at that point. 
And I'd love to see you there, meet you in person. And we can all commiserate about our content challenges together (laughs) about how we're going to grow this audience. But that's what I've learned about being a content creator is that you need support, you need networking, you need people in your group that are going through the same struggles as you are. And that's why we created uh, Creator Economy Expo. So we not only learn together, but we can figure out how to work together to grow together and to do all the things we want to do. J-O-E-V-I-P. You heard it here, folks. Go get that. You want to be present in the building. And I can attest from personal professional experience, Joe is a man of his word. I met Joe in person. Uh, what was it? 2019? Content Marketing World 2019. And as you might imagine, he was pulled a thousand different ways. Very big show, but made time to sit and speak with me in an empty conference room before anything popped off. We had a great conversation as always. So Joe, I just wanted to thank you on air for always being so generous with your time as well as your expertise. This has been a master's class and yeah, I hope to see you in May. Absolutely. And uh, I'm looking forward to this podcast you're doing to keep going past that year point. So you, you got, you got it this time. Yeah. From your lips to God's ears. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Tiny Giants is an audio companion to and the first chapter of my first book, Beyond Buzzwords. Social media, mobile, and other marketing buzzwords ain't the half of it. Available on Amazon. If you enjoyed this podcast, chances are good you'll like the book too. I'm proud to say that while the book has aged, it's not dated. Sure, some examples could be freshened up, but strategically, it's as rock solid as the day it was written. Not every author can say that. I encourage you to pick it up and leave me a rating and review. It really helps. I have like one rating on that book from my mom because she loves me. And I'm positive that you'll love it too. Head on over to tinygiants.tech for more episodes and whatever else I have going on. While you're there, leave me a voicemail with your question, comment, or feedback for improvement. I may play that voice recording on a future episode as I answer your question or address your concern. If you, your company, or school needs help with college, career, and creator readiness strategy or to book me to speak, drop me a line at t at tinygiants.tech. If you or someone you know is doing big things in small or not so small niches, or as we like to call them, tiny giants, and they will make a great guest for the show, email me at t at tinygiants.tech. Thanks for listening. And remember, you get big by going small, but to prioritize career over celebrity. But no matter what you choose, know that I'm rooting for you. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.